Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Leviticus chapter 10. If we've not met, my name is Jason. Good to meet you. If, uh, if as Mishana mentioned, Faith DNA is going to be starting in February. And uh, if you're fairly new at Faith Assembly, I hope you'll connect. There will be an opportunity, just a half hour, uh, sit down, meet some of our folks, hear about uh, um, uh, who we are, how uh, faith works, how we move, what happens, and how you can get connected. So it be great to have you. We're kicking off this series called um, Pure Fire, and it is uh, something that I believe that is going to set a course for us. How many know that as you begin, it's important how you begin? Because as you begin, it sets the direction, and uh, it's important to be in, in the, the right direction. Let me just tell you, not only is it important to have a good beginning, but how many are grateful for new beginnings? So I want you to know there's a God of grace, and even if you need to begin again, He is a God who gives you opportunity. Uh, the grace of God, that you, you can, no matter what your yesterday was, your last year, whatever it is, the grace of God is sufficient. He'll pick you up, turn you around, set your feet on solid ground. He'll do all of that. Yeah, some of you wanted to sing, didn't you? Um, but uh, I want to look today in Leviticus chapter 3, uh, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 3 is uh, a theme verse for us moving into 2023. This is what I believe in, in uh, 23, that God is uh, saying to his church that uh, he wants to put the church on display, that God would display his glory in greater measure. And um, looking at uh, this series as we begin, uh, say, God, we, we want to burn with, uh, pure fire, the fire of God. Looking at this text in Leviticus chapter 3, we get this title, pure fire, from uh, a situation that occurs right in the beginning of Israel's time. Israel has been set free from captivity. They were slaves for 400 years, and uh, they learned how to be slaves. But then God brings them into the, the promised land by way of the wilderness. They go through the wilderness, and there they need to be reconditioned. How many know God is still reconditioning us? You've been saved in a moment, but there's a process of being reconditioned, that the mind needs to be renewed and renewed in Christ. Here how, here's how God did it. Right off the beginning, as they move into the wilderness, they get past or through the Red Sea, and they go into the wilderness, and as they are in the wilderness, uh, God takes Moses, gives him a word, and uh, begins to lay out for him the proper worship, uh, what, the, uh, uh, what worship would look like. From the very beginning, God is telling Moses how to, get, how to get close, how to be near God, to have relationship. Because God has always been about being in relationship with you. God has never been about bullying you, judging you convicting you, all of that is the, 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 the conviction and, and all that goes along with that is about him having relationship. God wants to be in relationship with you. He loves you. He created you in his image. He's madly in love with you. The God that, that is seated on the throne waiting to beat you because you did something wrong, that is not the God we serve. The God we serve is an everlasting God, a God of love, a God of mercy, and a God of judgment. But not a God of judgment without love, but love that brings about, yes, there is consequence, but a God who loves you. From the very beginning, he's been about telling us how to get to him. 
how to have a relationship with him. The way he does that with Moses, he tells him about the tabernacle, how to build the tabernacle. The tabernacle, of course, was the traveling tent of God's presence, the tent of meeting that they would have met with God. Tells him how big to make it, tells him what it should, what size it should be, the inner court, all the stuff that was to be with it, the Ark of the Covenant, all the things that have to do with worship. He gives him structure and gives him order. If we're going to get close to God, if we're going to have a relationship with God right from the very beginning, God sets order because he is a God of order. God is a God of, he has established order, and that's what he's setting right from the very beginning. He's telling them how to have relationship with him and how to come close to him. And now, here we are in Leviticus. They have had the, um, uh, the, the anointing. They've identified that the priest will be Aaron and his sons. Aaron will be the high priest. He's the first high priest that is, that is uh, serving. And now they're going through this process, how to, how to present sacrifice, how to make sacrifice holy, how to, uh, what to do. All of this has happened now in the beginning of Leviticus. And I realize if you were ever read Leviticus, uh, and I shouldn't say if, but when, uh, if you're trying to, if you're going to read the Bible through in a year, don't start in Leviticus, okay? Um, it is, it's, it can be difficult, but in every context, you look, where is Jesus in this? It's all pointing to Jesus, and the sacrifice is established. Now, here it is, the end of chapter 9. We, we, we're not going to read the end of chapter 9, but it says that the sacrifice was made, the priests did their job, the sacrifice was made, and the fire of God consumed the sacrifice. So the fire of God consumes the sacrifice, and here we have the first altar that is burning. It is the presence of God, and now we go from there. Not long after that, we introduce, we're introduced to Nadab and Abihu. And so here, God is setting order and structure. I want to look at this today, and why don't you stand with me in Leviticus chapter 10. This is Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's son, starting verse 1. The, uh, we, we just referenced already the end of chapter 9. The, the, the fire of God fell and consumed the sacrifice that is on the altar. Verse 1 of Leviticus chapter 10. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. If you're looking for children's names, hold off on those. Uh, wait till you find out what happened to them. Nadab and Abihu put coals of fire in their incense burners, and they sprinkled incense over them, over the coals. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire. Somebody say wrong fire. They burned the wrong kind of fire. How many know if there's a wrong fire, there's a right one? There can't be a wrong one if there's not a right one. So there's the right fire, the pure fire. It says they burned the wrong kind of fire, different than the Lord had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Notice Aaron's posture, Aaron's response. Aaron was silent. I want to focus on uh, the beginning of verse 3 here. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord says, or this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron, of course, was silent. How many would say today, God, I want you to display your glory in and through my life. So, Father, this is our prayer. God, teach us. Lord, I thank you for grace in this journey that we can learn. And I, I pray, God, that we, would, that we would burn with the fire of God, that we would, that we would uh, allow pure fire, God, that would Im- infiltrate, transform our world. And, Lord, do it for your glory, we pray. Uh, teach us, Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. If, your desire, if you desire to see the glory of God displayed in and through your life, would you say amen? 
Amen. And why don't you take a moment just to say hi to somebody around you. If you don't know their name, get to know their name, all right? Uh, Usually we'll say, hey, tell this to somebody, but get somebody's name today. I hope you get to meet somebody new. If you don't know their name, well, hopefully now you do. And um, we're glad you're doing it. Anybody, uh, anybody get, wave to me if you got to meet someone new today. Wave if you got to meet somebody new. That's so awesome. That's so cool. Oh, yeah, Dennis got to meet Lynn Ray. That's great. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Dennis like, no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, that, uh, uh, so glad. I hope you get to make some connections and meet some folks. Here's the title I want to speak, one, speak from for the next couple minutes, and that is this. Do you even know what you're talking about? I'm not, not asking you to ask me that. Uh, I want to talk from that title today. Do you even know what you're saying? Do you even know what it is that you're saying? There is uh, verbiage that I've, I realize I've got to learn. And even this, this whole idea of fire, pure fire. I've had uh, um, some recognition that this is, you know, just the way that this word is used now. I'll have people say to me, man, that's fire. And uh, we understand that we live in a whole different context. How many are like me that you have to be educated on what is being said anymore? Uh, my uh, daughter explained to me that an event she was at at her church, it was bussing. <laughs> uh, for a moment, I'm like, honey, you took buses? What did you? I don't understand. And uh, so I, I let her finish. And then I said, so would you please tell me what the conference and how it was? You said it was bussing. She said, Dad, that just means it was really good. I'm like, then why didn't you just say that? You didn't know what you're saying. I, fire, I, I realize that, that it, it's a figurative expression to say of something that's pure fire. It's fire. It's to identify something as being excellent. It's fire. It's on fire. It's attractive. Uh-oh, it's fire. It's seething. It's anger, having anger. It's well-performing, something that was Fire, it literally is, is more than just the literal means of something that changes the condition of something. It's to identify an impact, that it has fire, that there is a, uh, you can have a streak, and if you are on have a streak, it's on fire. The emojis identify that it's on fire. It's something that is not just literal, literal, but it's a figure of speech, and we understand figurative speech because we all do it. God gives us the ability to have a figurative speech. We speak in figures, not in literal, because it's just how we express. You understand that. You would make some comments that you realize that maybe looking at a photo or something on line and and uh, you see how cute or how how uh, uh, cute the photo is and your response is I'm dying how many know you're not really dying it's just, it just has an effect on you you might say I would kill to see that movie well you better hope they show it in the penitentiary because if you do that it's not going to work that way you you maybe even said to someone I love how you think you can get away with whatever you want how many know you really didn't love that that's just your response it becomes this this response do we even know what we're saying. One of the statements I think I want to give us some clarity and understanding is as we begin the new year, I hope it's a desire to draw closer to relationship with God, but I want us to recognize the significance and what we're really saying when we say, I want to be close to God. You better know what you're saying, that when you want to be close to God, there is this desire. He's 
put it within us to draw close to God. But this desire to draw close to God doesn't mean you can do it just any way you want. God has an order. Somebody say order. That God has structure. He has process. He's put things in place. There is a way for you and I to come to God. We've got to understand that the desire to be close to God, we've got to know what it is that we're saying. My goal today is not to scare you from getting close to God, but to just give us recognition that what does it really mean if we're going to get close to God? Because if we get close to God, maybe the way we think, we might not be getting as close as we thought we were. If we go according to our own understanding, our own way of, 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 of judging things, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29 says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring or consuming fire. Our God eats everything up. It, this word consuming or devour means to eat total, to eat whole, to eat completely, that God will consume. When God came into your life, he didn't come in part way. How many know there's no such thing as partial salvation? You are either completely saved or you are not saved. God did not forgive a portion of your sins. He didn't forgive just some of them. He, he devoured, he, he, he devoured death. How many know he didn't just defeat some of death, he defeated all of death for all eternity. He gave us, he is a complete victor. He doesn't come in halfway. He's not a God that does anything halfway. He is a God who consumes. He devours everything he is. He overtakes. And you might say, well, that's not nice. Yeah, it is. Because his way is better than my way. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. When I recognize, and the more I recognize how wonderful and great he is, I want him to have more. I start doing what the Bible says. I must decrease that he might increase. I want less of me and more of him because he is a fire who wants to consume. I, I pray that we would be at a place of drawing near to God, that there be this closeness. We understand in, a, in, our, in our world that fire is nothing to play around with in the literal context or even in the spiritual context. Fire is nothing to play around with. If we're going to be close to God, God wants us to be more than just in a proximity of his presence. He's inviting us to be transformed by the power of of his spirit, but there has got to be a reverence and understanding of what it means to come near to God, of what it means to be drawing closer to God. Fire transforms us. When we have fire, we recognize it'll transform things around us. God wants the fire of God to transform us. This is our desire. It's more than just having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is having a relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's more than just knowing Jesus. It's him knowing me and me being transformed by what I know about him. I could ask you today, do you know Jesus? And I, you might be able to say yes. <coughs> Excuse me. This water break was not brought to you by Aquafina because that's not Aquafina. <coughs> anyway, um, it's only the third service. We're good. We'll make it. Uh, the, um, it is more than just you saying you know Jesus. The question is, does he know you? He says that on that day, he will say to some of them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Okay, you knew me, but I didn't know you. You knew me because you knew and desired what I had for you, but I didn't know you because you never opened up your life and submitted and surrendered to let me bring and lead you into what I had for you. You wanted what I had for you, but you never received what I had for you. You wanted, therefore you knew me, 
but I didn't know you because you never surrendered and allowed me to lead you into all. You had a form of or you had a portion of. If you have fear, that's First John says this, if you have fear of punishment, this, this shows that you've not fully received the love of God. For perfect love casts out fear. And so if we receive the love of Christ, when we receive and in full nature, the more we receive the love of God, it transforms us and changes us from the inside. It takes us from where we are and it transforms us. Do you know Jesus? That's good. But does he know you? How does he know me? He knows me because my life has gone from where I am, that it goes from about me to be in a relationship with him. I've gone through the fire. I've experienced the fire of God. How many know that if you get touched by fire, you're going to feel it? It's going to have an impact on you. If, if you have an encounter with fire, it's going to have an impact on you. I, I want to look at this Nadab and Baihu. They have an encounter with the fire of God. The encounter with the fire of God is a negative one, but I want you to see it. it it's also the, that we can see it in the positive. It's negative because they had wrong fire. But if you and I bring pure fire, we can have a positive encounter that it can transform uh, the chapter or verse 3 that we read says, I will display my glory on those who come near me, those who come close to me. I will display my glory on those who come close to me. Here's Nadab and Abihu. They are the sons of Aaron. Aaron is the first high priest. Again, order has just been established. Moses is the leader. Moses is the one who is going to lead them. Aaron is established as the first high priest. Now the line of Aaron, they become the, the priests. And so the sons of Aaron begin to serve. Here are the older sons that Aaron has, Nadab and Abihu. They are serving in this, this order of priests. It was the priest's job to present and to minister the offerings and to, and to bring worship. How many know that because of Christ, you and I are all priests? We have all become part of the priesthood. Uh, and as a priest, that means that we can administer or minister unto God. We can minister in worship. It was only the priest that could, that could handle the sacrifices and, and present incense and present worship. Only the priest could do that. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, those who know Christ, now there's not, there's not a degree or separation for we are all one in Christ Jesus. It's not male or female, bond or free, or, or any Gentile or, or, or Jew. It is all, we are all one in Christ Jesus and in Christ we are all priests we all get to minister unto God we all get to come near God we all get to come near now we might have different anointings on our lives but how many know it's all meant to minister unto God you operate with a different anointing but every one of us are called to minister unto God and so as ministers here is in the early part or in the Old Testament only the priests the 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 Levites those of, of Aaron's uh, lineage could be the priests. And so now here is Ahab and Abihu. They are performing ministry and we don't know what they do wrong. I kind of like that the Bible doesn't tell us what they did wrong. It just says they had wrong fire. Because you know what we want to do? We always want to look at what went wrong. Because we like to measure and calculate and figure out where the problem really lies. Do you know the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things that you can't figure it out? We like to bring things down to a, a method. I love the Methodist movement. John and Charles Wesley, the Methodist movement that transformed our world and our lives. But holiness is more than a method. That's not a statement against Methodism because I'm just making a statement that you can't just have outward appearance to try and get holiness. And that's not what they were doing. That was not their desire. In fact, every movement that began 
is not the same it was when it started. Every denomination that came, came at a season and time when America or the world needed a revival. And God brought revival and a new denomination started at a revival and a season of God. If we would have our act together, we wouldn't need new denominations. We wouldn't need new things. We would still be on fire with the pure fire and the holy fire that God has. But because we are a people like Israel, that we rise and fall, we get hot, we get cold. How many? And a new move needs to come. I'm ready to go. How many say, God, let there be a new display of your glory don't start, we're not looking to start a new denomination, but God, let there be a new display of your glory, of your power, of your fire, your purpose in our world. Nadab and Abihu are part of this, and uh, they, of course, are the, the, the ones who are serving. They come in, and we don't know what they did wrong. We don't know what it was. We just know that they had wrong fire. And I don't want to speculate because we would waste our time. We could say, well, maybe it was this, maybe it was that, maybe they assumed, maybe, maybe they did this wrong. I don't know, but I want to operate from what we do know. And here's what I do know about the fire. When it comes to coming close to God, God who is a fire, here's what I need to know when I draw near to God. Number one, the fire comes with accountability. If I'm going to draw near to the fire of God, I've got to recognize that fire comes with accountability. Accountability applies that there's a proper way of doing things. If there's a proper way of doing things, then how many know I need to heed the instructions of the proper way to come near to God? That there is this, this understanding, the word of God, this order, that you can come as you are, but how many know you can't just come any way you want? You can come as you are, but you can't come any way you want. That you can come as you are. Now, the, the only way that we can draw near to God and, and, and come close to him is through holiness. Jesus made it possible for us to come near. In the Old Testament, they had to have animal sacrifices that were presented, and the sacrifices would take place, and then the blood of those sacrifices would cleanse and make it possible for the priests. In fact, the priests would need to take blood. This is in Leviticus, the part that sometimes, you know, you, you can be hard to read and, and look at, but they would take the blood from the sacrifice and they would place it on their right ear, their right thumb, and their right toe. It identified and recognized that this cleansing to be able to hear from God, to be able to respond to God, and be able to walk in the purpose that God has for our lives, that they would apply the blood. But how many know the blood has not just been applied to our right ear, to our thumb, and our big toe? The blood of Jesus now covers us and we have been cleansed completely, not momentarily, not until the next sacrifice. We have been washed and made whole once and for all by the blood and the power of Jesus Christ, therefore giving us access to come boldly before the throne of grace. And because he's given that, he's made it now possible for us to come near. But just because you can doesn't mean you should just come any way you want. Now, holiness is the way that we come near to God. We know this in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Without holiness, we cannot come near to God. Holiness is not what you wear. Holiness is the attitude from which you pursue God. We have made holiness and allowed holiness sometimes to be marked by, by what we do and what we have. But holiness is not what you can work your way to. Let, let me say it this way. You do not earn holiness. You already have holiness. You are holy. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Guess what came with it? God's holiness. Holiness is not to be obtained. It's maintained. Holiness is not attained, it's maintained. The moment you were saved, God made you holy. Because if he didn't, then he came in halfway. How many know our God is too big, he doesn't do anything half-hearted? 
He is a good God. He's a great God. He's an awesome God. When he comes in, he comes in all the way. You don't attain, and in our culture, what we try to do in church culture is we try to attain holiness. Well, if I go to church, if I say the right prayers, if I do the right things, if I do, you cannot attain holiness. You maintain holiness. You are already holy in Christ. God doesn't give you something to earn. He gives you something to already have. You can't earn it, but you can lose it. You can't earn it, but you can lose it. You can't earn the holiness that comes from God, but you can exchange or let, let go of. And so God has already given us all that we need. So holiness, he makes it possible. Now, now here's, here's what uh, holiness has to work from the inside out, because if not, we'll try to dress up the outside to make the inside better. But Jesus said that to the Pharisees. He said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside. You got a nice tomb with dead bones on the inside. And so holiness is trying to polish up the tomb. But how many know it doesn't change the condition on the inside? But God has already changed us by the power of his spirit. He dwells inside of us. He's given us new, a new mind in Christ. We have received holiness in Christ. And now as we've received Christ, all that he is in holiness, this is now as we walk, as, and, and even Peter tells us, God has given us all that we need for life and for godliness. No good thing will he withhold from those who love him according to his purposes. He has already... I want you to see today, you are not a pauper, you're not a beggar, you're not someone who has to ask God for more. He has already given you more. He's given you all that you need. What you and I need to do is to activate and walk in all that God has given us. And holiness is not what I need to get from God. Holiness is what I have to recognize he's already given me. And when I see holiness, it grows and develops in me when I grow from a place of now closeness to God is not measured by how I feel or what I have, but how God is getting glory out of my life. If I ask the question, how close are you with God, or how close, um, how is your relationship with God? How close are you to God? Oftentimes, it's easy to measure by how good things are going in our lives. We feel close to God by how good things are going. But closeness to God is not measured by what's in your bank account, how healthy your relationships are. All of that is good. Because how many know God cares about your marriage? God cares about your relationship. God cares about finance. God cares about those things. But he is not a God who just cares about the things you can measure. It is now altogether different. What if I go from my relationship with God is not now about what I can measure because, well, how do I know I'm close to God? Well, I did this. How many know I'm not close to God because I spoke in tongues? I'm not, spoke, I'm not close to God because of what I did. I'm not, I'm not close to God because of what I can measure and tangibly, tangibly identify. My closeness to God is not by what I can measure. My closeness to God is when I go from trying to measure those things to I come to a whole other place because now holiness draws me closer to God. And now it's not about what I can measure, but now it's unto him who is exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ask, think, or imagine. Now I've gone from my closeness to God being about what God can do for me to now I'm close to God. It's God, what kind of glory can you get out of me? Oh, come on. I'm going to say that again because I think that's more truth than we want to acknowledge. That I go from measuring my relationship with God to what God can do for me to now it's God how much glory can you get out of me. In all honesty, I can't even measure that. That's where he's able to say to me like he said to Abraham, it's more than you can even count. 
Because I don't even know the I don't even know the glory that God can get from my life. I don't even know. I'm walking in the glory of what God did in a man's life in 1938. Never met the man, but he led my great great grand my great great grandparents to the Lord. And I'm walking in an afterflow and a glory. That man has no idea the impact he's made. That man has no idea. And if I've been able to impact or make a mark or help anybody's life, how many know that goes all the way back? Why? Because it's no longer how close am I to God because my needs are met. Yeah, I want God to add his riches, take care. But he's not just a God who is able. How many know the Bible says he is more than able? I don't want just the God who can. I want the God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what I can even ask, think, or imagine. And in that relationship now, that's at a place where it's not just God get my needs met. It's God get the glory in my life. Am I talking to anybody this morning that, God, I want you to get the glory in my life? We move from a place, when we get close to that fire, it it comes with accountability. That accountability is the right way of doing things. It's a proper way. Holiness is the only way you can come close to God. Now, here's how I want to, uh, uh, holiness is, how do I grow in, in, in a walk with Jesus Christ? It's through holiness, and, and how does that develop in my life? Um, in Exodus chapter 30, God has given them instructions on how to create the anointing oil, how to create the uh, incense, the stuff that would be used for worship. And here is uh, Nadab and Abihu, they are meant, their job is to prepare the stuff that would be used for worship, even incense. This strikes me. I'm not going to read the ingredients for, for uh, incense, um, but just to describe what incense is. Incense is the, the aftermath of the worship. It, it's, what, it's what goes to, to God. Let me describe it this way. Someone would have to bring the sacrifice. The sacrifice in the Old Testament were animals. The animals would come. They'd be presented on the altar. Then the fire of God would consume the altar. So you had the sacrifice. You had the fire. And then after the fire, you would take the fire and put them in the, uh, in the burners. And then the incense would be the stuff that would, that would be put over top of those coals, which the coal came from the fire. And it would put off a sweet-smelling Fragrance. It would be a fragrance unto God. How many know that our lives are to be a sweet-smelling fragrance unto God? Here's the point. The sacrifice. How many know we need a sacrifice? Only the priest could make the sacrifice. And here, by the grace of God, the high priest, the ultimate priest, came and made the final sacrifice. Jesus Christ came. Now, here's what's significant. When fire came, the, the, the priest did not light the fire with a match. How many know you can manufacture that kind of fire? Do you know when the fire was lit on the altar? It was not because they started a fire. All they did was present the sacrifice, backed up, and the fire came from heaven. It is not man-made. It's not manufactured. You can't drum it up. You can't make it happen. It's not what we do. It's what the Spirit of God does. So Jesus is the sacrifice. The Holy Spirit, then the fire of God, the presence of God, falls on the altar. And then from that, the incense is added, and it gives a sweet-smelling fragrance unto God. We become that sweet-smelling fragrance. I love how the Old Testament just points to Jesus. He died on the cross. The fire came from heaven. Let me just say this. you got to realize it was a different kind of fire. If you would read through the rest of um, a couple verses in Leviticus chapter 10, you would find out that Moses then said to Nadab and Abihu's cousins, who were also in the priesthood, they said, Moses says to them, now come and move your cousins, move them by their tunic or their garments. How many know if they were able to move them by their garments, it means their garments weren't burned? 
So it's not the fire that you and I think of. When we think they got consumed, like crispy. No. The fire that consumed them was life, was gone. They, the life. How many know uh, that is because the life that we have is because of him. And so it is not a fire that burns because that kind of fire is the fire you and I create. But the fire that comes from God is a whole different fire. Okay, it, It's the same fire that when... When Elijah was on the Mount Carmel and began to pray for fire to fall from heaven and fire. Why would Elijah say whoever could do that? It wasn't like, well, this has never been done before. No, they knew that's how the gods, that, that the real God speaks. When Elijah brought that whole idea, it wasn't like, I'm going to come up with an idea I've never heard of before. No, I, Elijah is saying, whoever, build an altar and whoever, whichever God speaks from fire, he was saying, because that's who my God is. He is a God of fire. He's a God who comes down from heaven. And so Elijah is doing this not to display something like a magic trick. No, Elijah is saying, this is how God speaks to his people. He draws near. He's a God of fire. He's a God that you honor. And so this fire, of course, representing the, the, the fire of God, that fire comes from from heaven that God has given that for us and so the incense then becomes what we burn now it's our lives our lives would be a sweet smelling uh, fragrance unto God listen what it says when they were putting together the ingredients for the incense never use this formula to make this incense for yourselves I think therein lies the key what is one of the key marks of holiness and drawing near to God is that we're careful not to do this for us that we check our motives. You start offering the wrong fire when it's about, well, I want people to recognize me. I want to make sure I go to a church where everybody knows how gifted and talented I am and how much I can do and what I can be. That's wrong fire. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna make sure I get recognized. That's wrong fire. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna show this person how righteous I am and how wrong they are. That's wrong fire. Whatever the motive, he says, don't use it for your own, for yourselves. It is reserved for the Lord, and you must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes incense like this for personal use will be cut off from the community. That we've got to be careful like Nadab and Abihu not to offer un, unholy or, or wrong fire, but it's fire that is unto God that comes from a heart of wanting to draw near to him. And I, I, would, I would say the question is how close are you to God it cannot be measured by what have you done for God. There was a season in my life where I measured my closeness to God by how effective ministry happened. That is wrong. Because that is the path for my identity to be wrapped up in ministry. And I've met enough pastors who did that. I've been around long enough that my identity is in what I can do. That's called burnout. That's called people pleasing. That's called Every, whatever that would be, uh, but my identity is not in how effective my ministry, my identity is in how willing am I to allow God to get the glory out in my life. That God get the glory. Now, God will use all that. God will supply. He'll, he'll, he'll cause ministry. He'll cause those kinds of things. But when it's all said and done, it's all about God getting the glory that comes from my life. Are we good? All right, number two, the fire comes not only with accountability, but to draw near with God, the fire uh, it comes with a covering, um, a covering. This is a protection. Uh, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 33, Moses says to the Lord, I want to see your glory. And if you remember, the Lord says, no man, verse 20 says, but you may look directly at my face for no man can, or you may not look directly at my face for no one can see me and live. No one can look upon my face 
and live. No one can see the face of God and live. And so he says to Moses, he says, I'll hide you along this rock, and then I will pass by. And when I pass by, you'll see my goodness. I love, I love, just stop and think about this. Moses says, I want to see your glory. And God says, I'll show you my goodness. Talk about a good God. God, I want to see your glory. And he responds with, I'll show you my goodness. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow those all the days of our lives. Even though I walk through the valley, his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His goodness and mercy, it is the goodness of God to do what? To lead us to repentance. That when you see the goodness of God, the goodness of God is not just to meet my needs. The goodness of God is to reveal how how majestic and wonderful, how how glorious he is. So that when I see his goodness, it causes me to look at his holiness. And when I look at his holiness, I go from my needs being met to being in the one who's seated on the throne. And how many know if God is on the throne, then I'm confident that all things are in order. If he's on the throne, and how many times is our worship hindered Because we worship from a level of needs and not from a level of holiness. We worship from a level of my needs need met. I've got this circumstance and this situation. But it changes everything when now I'm standing and recognizing the one who is seated on the throne, who is high and lifted up. You know what happens in that kind of worship? My needs start to fall off. I start to forget what I even needed in the first place because I recognize I'm in the presence of the one who is everything I need. Is there anybody who knows what I'm talking about? When worship transforms that moment, he is everything that I need. It doesn't mean that he doesn't attend to these things. But now I'm at a place where instead of me saying, God, I want you to meet my need, um, oftentimes if I'm focused on my need, then I also have in mind that I want God to do it the way I think it ought to be done. But when I enter into God get the glory, he can still beat my needs. But now he'll do it in such a way that only he gets the glory. Because I didn't even see that coming. I, that wasn't even, that, that's not what I even, I was just worshiping and allowing him to work. That he moves, he reveals his glory. That it comes with a covering. Here's the covering that God will protect us. His covering goes before you. I, I want to say in this part, um, Every time we see the presence of God, or a lot of times when we see the presence of God, it's connected with a cloud. If you remember when the presence of God came on, on Mount Sinai, there's a dark cloud. They said that there's a cloud that covered it. That cloud was there for protection. Even in the, um, in the, the, the traveling through the wilderness, that a, the, the pillar by day and the cloud by night, that cloud was a protection. It's similar to if you are in the sun, and when you're in the sun, the sun's beating on you, and then all of a sudden a cloud comes over the sun. How many know you feel a relief and it, you feel this sense of protection? God is protecting you. The reason he's protecting you with his cloud is because you can't see the glory of God and live. So he comes in a cloud. But here's what we tend to do sometimes. We tend to worship the cloud rather than the one who rides on it. The cloud is representing the presence of God, but God is not the cloud. That's the manifestation of his presence. Here's how I know we do this sometimes, because a move of God occurs in our lives, and we love what God has done, and how many know there are times that we can almost and always try to get back to the way it was when we had that moment with God? Am, am I, we, remember how we used to do it back then? Remember how it was? And so we're now worshiping the cloud rather than the one who rides on the cloud. 
the one who's protecting. It's, that, that's just, that's, that's how he came, but that's not him. Y'all remember Darling Check? I don't even know if I said her name right. And transformed worship in the, in, in the churches. And worship, shout to the Lord all the years. I mean, we could, oh, that's when it was really good. But we say, and, and I real there's, that was a cloud. How many know the one who is riding in that worship never changed? Everything else changes, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing else changes. And so I don't worship the cloud. That was just protect, that was that was provision, protection. That's that's how God is 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 coming and, and moving, but he covers and protects. And I'm grateful that when you come into the, the fire of God, the fire comes with a covering. It's the cloud of God, it's his presence. It's his covering. Man, God help us to not fall in love with the things of God more than the one who is God. Let me close with this last thing. Fire comes not only with accountability and with a covering, but it comes with a cost. We know that the scripture tells us that... um, we have to die to ourselves to take up the cross. We know the, the cost here for not having pure fire, Nadab and Abihu, it, it, it was death that cost them their life. Even John in Revelation 1.17, when he saw the, 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 the Lord, in fact, he was in the spirit, which no man can see God and live, which is John saw the face of the Lord, but he was in the spirit, just like Daniel, but he was in the spirit. No one in their flesh has ever seen the Lord and lived. Um, it was in the spirit. John says this when he was in the spirit. He saw the Lord. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. How many know it's a good response to take is to say, God, I'm dead in your presence. I don't have anything but you. I, I'm nothing without you. And so the response is to, is to come to a place. And, and here's part of what I, what, what I want, you to, want us to see is um, drawing near to God. Um, that we would recognize what we need to let go of. Here is Aaron. Aaron is the father of Nadab and Abihu. He's just been established as the high priest. He's now brought into this order. His sons bring an unauthorized and unholy fire unto God. It costs them their life. Nadab and Abihu are now dead. Aaron, who is their father, sees the the result of this. And Moses says to Aaron in verse 3 that we read, It says that Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. I will display my holiness on those who come near me. And what did Aaron's, or what did, yeah, what was Aaron's response? I didn't put the last line. It's still chapter three or uh, verse three, but it says, and Aaron was silent. Aaron was silent. You know, one of the hardest things sometimes to do is to learn how to be. There's a cost, and sometimes the cost is silence. It's dying. Sometimes it's dying to have to be right. I don't know if you know anybody who likes to have the last word. They exist somewhere. I don't know. But this need to always, do you realize this could have been Aaron in this moment? Aaron's like, why would you let this happen? What would you do? What? 
But Aaron was silent. You see, because when I recognize the holiness of God, I go from a, God, I don't always understand what you're doing, but I'm going to trust your ways. And in trusting your ways, I trust the structure of what you're doing. Even though the structure to me is foreign. Why was the worship that Nadab and Abihu offered, it was foreign to God. But how many know just because it was foreign to God, it wasn't foreign to them? They offered what was familiar to them. What is familiar to you is foreign to God. Trust is only established when we're willing to embrace, to embrace structure other than our own. Do you know the, other, the only structure we really like is the one we create? Where are all the honest people in the room? The only rules you like are yours. Come on. That's why trust in a relationship and a marriage is learning how to embrace the structure. What makes that person up? What makes them who they are? It's the ability to, ability to embrace the structure of that person. It's a trust relationship. But if you don't have trust, you have tension because the tension is built in, I want you to be like me. And how many know that's off on a bad note? Because if my job is to make you be like me, then I'll only trust you when you look like me, act like me, talk like me, feel like me, respond like me, and do everything that's like me. I want familiarity. That's tension. But trust is built on I will embrace your structure that's so foreign to me. I don't get why you do what you do. I don't get why you think the way you think. I don't get and understand, but trust is built on my ability to embrace someone else's structure different than mine. Hello? Ultimately, now, God, here is Aaron. God, I don't get your holiness. It must be even more than I realize. And I could be at a place where I could argue, contend, or say, but the only thing I can do right now is shut my mouth and embrace your structure because I'm never going to draw close if all I want is what's familiar. I'll never know you who is so unlike anything else, so holy, if I'm not willing to embrace what doesn't feel right. <sighs> you been there? That's how you get close to Jesus. That's how you get close. God, I'm going to embrace. I don't understand. But in silence, I said, God, I trust you. God, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to watch. And now when you do, Lord, do it in such a way that only you get the glory. God, get the glory. I want to say to God, God, I, I don't want to measure my closeness to you by how I feel and how things are going in my life. I want to measure my closeness to how much glory are you getting in my life. Am I talking to anybody this morning? God, in my life, that you get the glory. That you get the glory. That I live. And I, I you know, the older you get, heaven becomes more real. Because, not because I'm like, oh, hurry up and get out of this place. It's such a big one. No, heaven becomes more real because I realize the only reason I'm here is to get ready to have an eternal existence with him there. And the only thing I'm doing here is letting his glory be revealed in my life so that others might know. I've got a job. I've got a family. I've got influence. I've got whatever, everything you've got. It all wraps around God, it's so that your glory can be revealed. You're an electrician. You're an electrician because, yeah, you got to feed the family. 
You better be good at it or you won't feed the family. You might even die. I mean, you're talking about playing with fire. You better know what you're doing. It's more than just being an electrician. It's more than just having a business. It's because God has given you that avenue and route to reveal his glory. Because the way you do business is to honor God. The way you conduct your business, it's not to skate the system or get up. It's I'm going to give glory to God. I'm going to give honor and glory to God. I'm going to do everything. I, I want my life. I want this conduct. I want God. Don't let it just be about I've got all I need and everything's good. I'm happy. I want to step into, no, I'm closer to him. And the closer I get with him, it goes from everything's good to God, I want you to get more glory. So would you stand with me? Lord, get the glory. Lord, get the glory. Come on, would you just say that to God right now? We're going to sing, and I ask Amanda just to, uh, to jump right into this declaration. Even though I walk through the valley of the... Sh- I don't know what you're walking through, but you say today, God, get the glory. Get the glory. Whatever it is that I'm walking through, just before we leave today, in just a moment, I'm going to ask, would you just sing? And we just to declare this today, God, get the glory. Come on, make that your prayer.